0: Is there a sanitizer for your ears yet? If so, grab it right after this episode. You're gonna need it. This is Above the Fold, and below your expectations. Welcome everyone to Above the Fold with Jeff Baker and Francis Ma. As always, we are here to talk all things marketing, uh, marketing methods, anything that's happening in the marketing industry that interests us. And today, today we are excited for this conversation. It's been almost a year in the making. And I think we have to set this up a little bit. So we love guests. We love bringing on guests. We love their perspective. At one point, Jeff and I wanted a different perspective. We wanted something a little unique that we could still tie back into marketing um, because we wanted to kind of change things up. You know, I think Jeff was basically saying, like, can we find anyone that we could talk to that maybe isn't typically in marketing, but then we could just have a great conversation with? And, um... And we found someone, and we're so excited because we're going to talk about mushrooms. All, to, all the whole, all episode is going to be about mushrooms. Um, you know,
1: honestly, I, I could care less if there's any tie to marketing. I'm beyond that at this point. I just want to talk mushrooms. I don't care if that. I don't care if we make it back around to marketing. We're going all mushrooms all day today, and I'm shamelessly pumped. <laughs>
0: oh i believe you no i believe you and i'm so excited too and to give people some context so we first found out about um this person um, his name is jeff chilton by the way and we'll let him introduce himself but we found out about him a year ago we got in touch and we were all set to do this episode where we go all in on mushrooms and then the world changed the pandemic happened um jeff fled to mexico we all know the story you know he hasn't been back since um and recently we were starting to getting back into our groove and we were thinking about you know different guests again and um we remembered we remember jeff chilton and we wanted to we wanted to kind of give it a shot and lo and behold the man was still available the man was even more interested and um could not be more excited um to spend this time um, jeff Chilton, with you and uh and talking about this so without further ado um Jeff, can you introduce yourself, give us a little bit of background, and then we're going to hammer you with with mushroom questions, man.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I was uh, raised in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Washington State is the evergreen state. Uh, Forests, uh, lots of lakes and rivers, and of course, lots of rain. With that rain in the fall come a lot of wild mushrooms. And I was fortunate enough to get out early uh, as a youngster um, uh, looking for wild mushrooms. And, and, you know, looking for wild mushrooms is is like a treasure hunt. You're out there in the woods. It is beautiful, normally. And uh, when you find the mushrooms, it's like, oh, my God, look at this. Amazing. Um, When I went to university, um, and that was in... 1965. By the way, <laughs> uh, my my field of study was anthropology because I was really interested in other cultures. You know, a- after all, in though in that decade we did create a counterculture. So I was really interested in a lot of cultures, how things, how people do things, and I, I still have had an interest in mushrooms. So I there was a great mycology department at the university. So I took mycology courses put it together with my anthropology and created ethnomycology the study of mushrooms for food as medicine in shamanic purposes which we knew a lot about in the 60s Mm -hmm. and um and so then uh, when i got out of university it's like what do you do with a degree in anthropology well not a whole lot (laughs) so uh, i talked to my mycology prof i thought i'd really love to grow mushrooms he said, there's a mushroom farm 60 miles down the road in Olympia, Washington. Go down there. Talk to them. I went down. Uh, I applied for a job. I got a job. I was on that mushroom farm for the next 10 years, literally living with mushrooms. Uh, big farm, 2 million pounds of agaricus mushrooms per year. Plus, plus, we had an R&D department, a Japanese scientist who was growing uh Oyster mushrooms, um, enoki mushrooms, and shiitake mushrooms. I was eating fresh shiitake in mm. the 70s. <laughs> and I don't know if you, or, about you guys, but shiitake is my favorite mushroom. It was amazing. Uh, quickly, moving on, and uh, I left in 1983. Uh, I, I co-authored a book in 1983 called The Mushroom Cultivator. And then in 1989, I started my company Namex because I moved from from – the production of mushrooms as food to mushrooms as nutritional supplements, um, and and basically that's where I am now. Um, I've got a company. We sell uh, bulk mushroom extract powders to the supplement industry, and we also have a retail line of uh,
0: mushroom supplement products. Jeff Baker, where do you want to start? I, I don't. know. I okay.
1: <laughs> wait, oh,
0: wait, let, me get, let me get the basic one out of the way. Yeah. What is it? What is it about mushrooms, Jeff? Well, I mean, when you were walking in the woods and you were you were finding these wild mushrooms, what was it that drew you in? Because clearly there was something there that has lasted your entire life, you know. And it's so. What was it? What was it about the mushroom? What? What well, drew you? Well, to be totally honest, uh,
2: I I had a friend that went to when I was in high school, and that was like in 1964 in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, I lived in Phoenix for five years, went to high school there. I had a friend that went to Mexico to what was called the University of the Americas. It was a a summer school. I I mean, and I I wanted so much to go there. I was never able to. He came back after a summer there. I was a senior in high school, and he said, Oh, you know, by the way, while I was down there, I, I ate these magic mushrooms and i'm like wow what? that is amazing well at that point in time we're also doing a little bit of experimentation and you know smoking pot and stuff like that and so going into university i mean you know that was a time where psychoactive uh, plants and so on were happening in a major way and and i got pretty pretty um positive relationship with (laughs) mushrooms and and uh, ultimately was like man i want to grow these things and and you know in 1971 72 i spent a year and a half in mexico
1: Mm. Uh,
2: basically after after university i went to mexico kind of doing field work so to speak And, and you know at that time a lot of people at that in my generation were looking for don juan who was kind of like the the sage that knew how to work with plants and so on. And uh, I went to Mexico and spent that year and a half, had a great time just pretty much living on less than $5 a day, Mm -hmm. hitchhiking around the country and, uh, you know, going back into the mushroom area where they, you know, literally in 19, during the 1950s, a New York banker and a French mycologist discovered that they were actually using, still using, um, psychoactive mushrooms back in the mountains of Mexico.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: yeah, I mean, believe it or not, that that was something that had been hidden for hundreds of years. Yeah. nobody even knew that that was still going on. Can you imagine <laughs> that it was still going on in the world? The, the native healers in Mexico in these groups, the curanderas, they were using these mushrooms in ceremonies as a healing modality. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. A- and so there was, there was, you can't imagine the number of people that headed to Mexico on that news.
1: <laughs> Jeff, was that in the, was that San Jose del Pacifico? You know, it's San Jose Pacifico. And, and, and I lived there for a while.
2: Mm-hmm. I had a house there. Oh, okay. uh, San Jose del Pacifico was not where uh, Wasson and M went to but they went to a community that was nearby in the zapotec area of mm-hmm. of oaxaca but then it was really in the sierra mazateca um, in oaxaca where they encountered the healer that is very famous named maria sabina mm-hmm. a- a- and that's where uh, a lot of the information came from about the healing ceremonies because he actually took part in some of those ceremonies but again this was something that that literally came out, did not really know where, but nobody really knew about this going on until the late 30s. And then the 50s, they went down and they really looked at it more deeply and and, uh, found this. And that was sort of like the catalyst in a way for Timothy Leary, who ended up going down to Mexico in the early 60s to take mushrooms, uh, come back a changed man, so to speak, and and others as Mm -hmm. well. So it was just sort of everything was kind of,
1: bubbling up in culture at that point in time. So what kind of things would people get out of these healing ceremonies? What would they go there for and what kind of what kind of things would the mushrooms give them? Well,
2: the way those ceremonies, those particular ceremonies worked and and it's pretty interesting is that first of all it would happen at at night. The the healer would be there, the her let's just say patient was there. Um, she actually, and this is not, not all that common. She would eat the mushrooms, but then the, the, the person would eat the mushrooms as well. And, and the whole idea behind this was to divine or to figure out what it was that was actually, um, the illness that this person had. You know, a lot of illness is, is, uh, uh, psychosomatic and and psychological and and uh other illnesses not so she was trying to figure out okay what's going on and then what and how can we treat it what kind of herbs do we have that we can treat but this was kind of like a diagnostic session Mm -hmm. And, and and um Man, have you ever listened to, you know, the I, I've been actually in one of those ceremonies, but it wasn't a ceremony for healing. It was just a ceremony with a, a woman that knew the traditions and was taking me and my friend on a on a trip, basically.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but in in this case, she had uh, she was singing. She had percussion that she was using where she clap her hands and, and just getting into a state of mind where she could could uh, enter into this person's space and try and figure out what's going on with this person so it's yeah. really an, a very very ancient type of healing
1: ceremony uh-huh so she would she and her patient would take i'm assuming there's psilocybin mushrooms right and she would get into their space to figure out or diagnose what's going on and then help them through it? Well, uh, yes, exactly, but not necessarily help them through it
2: um, in the ceremony, but kind of more a matter of seeing if she could find out exactly what it was that was going on with this person. And there might be some communication, but there wasn't ne- it wasn't necessarily like a, a psychiatrist and a patient or anything like that this person was was going through it maybe they would have something to say at some point but really it was more kind of a div- divination to some degree
0: it sounds spiritual and it sounds like in many ways it was it's it seems like there was an energy involved um jeff that that she was picking up on and in, in in many ways maybe even finding things out that that person or the patient you know couldn't communicate in any such way I'm wondering if, do you think just thinking about where we are um in the uh, in the world um do people do we need more people to eat mushrooms do we need people to have i mean thinking thinking about the effects man an open mind and uh, the idea that you know a lot of your walls can come crashing down. I feel like this is what's needed, you know, more than ever to kind of, if we're ever going to find a way in the middle or try to get people together again, I mean, I feel like these walls have to come crashing down.
2: Well, Francis, you would have fit in really well in the (laughs) sixties.
0: I want to go back. Let's go.
2: (laughs) No, I I mean, look, that's what we all felt back in the sixties. I mean, because one of the things about being in that space is 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 um, you you feel connected. You feel mm-hmm. connected to everything out there, whether it's in nature or other people. You feel that connection. You, you don't feel nearly as separate uh, from everything. And, and you know that's really what we need. People are are a little bit too separated from the natural world. <laughs> and these days, these days more so than ever, because everybody's locked up in their phone. Yeah. A- and uh you know and and children have to be taken on tours to see where food is grown so so we're we're just getting farther and further away from the natural world and this is one of the things about it that was very important is that you would connect not only with the natural world but again you'd connect with other people and you'd feel a very powerful empathy that's what's lacking today in the world empathy
0: could not agree with you more so then is that i mean underlining you know your philosophy and where your business is now, is that the hope? I mean, aside from the health benefits you get from mushrooms, which we should also get into, um, but then thinking about, you know, why the the reason, the why of of, of getting more people to understand, you know, this is, this can be beneficial. um, Is that, is that part of what drives you and your business?
2: Well, well, look, you know what? My business really doesn't uh, um, work. With those kind of mushrooms at this point in time, with psychoactive yeah. mushrooms, we're, we're, we're uh, basically um, selling mushrooms that can provide you with immunological benefits. That, that's primarily what uh, medicinal or, or functional mushrooms do. They, they help your immune system to cope with all of the stresses and illnesses of, of life um so they don't really deal with that on their side but but look just introducing people to mushrooms in general which which for a lot of people they're still trying to figure out what the hell these things are and whether they're whether they could be eaten or or what you know so so really i mean a lot of what i do is just educate people to the benefits of mushrooms in general and and you know these days it's just amazing i I have to tell you for one i never thought that um marijuana would be legalized and we smoked a lot of it and i smoked a lot of it i haven't for quite a while but um and and i've all you know we were back in those days people went to jail i I mean they still do but back then it was like yeah totally illegal Uh, all of these things totally illegal so you were you know if you were consuming them or being part of that hey look you, you were looking over your shoulder occasionally because it's like man, it's illegal. I have friends. <laughs> I have a number of friends that have been in, in prison for, for years because they're either growing some plants or, you know, something. And and it's just, you know, now all of a sudden it's like, oh my goodness. And did you know that Oregon just passed this law where they, they legalized all drugs or, or decriminalized all drugs? So it's like, wow. Now see, this is where we need to go and stop criminalizing people for actually consuming something that's a natural product and and doing it willfully (laughs) and and the only way you can do it where you're doing it in a a way that is intelligent is to have the information there to educate yourself and to have people that can educate you, have people that can guide you. We didn't have any guides
1: back then. (laughs) Um, I dropped off there's a lightning strike and I lost the internet. Um, is it still is it still recording?
0: It I think I missed it. yeah, it was still recording the whole time. You know, you know just
2: just quickly, um, we're talking about lightning bolts. historically, and especially with um, um, psychoactive mushrooms, the belief was that these mushrooms came up, uh, in the ground where a lightning bolt struck.
1: Huh. any truth to that?
2: Or we have no, no idea. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. No. But but mushrooms m- mushrooms traditionally have been associated with rain gods, lightning and right. all the rest. That that's uh, very common historically and certainly that was true in Mexico with oh. the aztecs and then ultimately with these other groups down there that i was talking about the mazatecs and the zabatecs mm-hmm. uh
0: that's that's uh, part of their beliefs mm-hmm. so even in that era because it seems like it was it was always seen as like a positive thing almost like a gift from the gods i guess in the sense if lightning struck the ground and mushrooms appeared um it was seen as like a very positive thing and a welcomed gift. So well,
2: well, not only it, that. Francis the it. other the other part of it was that that the Mazatecs actually called these mushrooms teonanacatl and and what that translates to is god's flesh.
1: Wow. Huh. God's flesh, deep, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, well and think about it. I and it makes perfect sense, right? Because um think about just the think about it in the framework mm-hmm. of Christianity. And what do they do? They they drink mm-hmm. the blood and take the body mm-hmm. of the Christ. Hey, God's flesh, you know? And and so this is what this is what drove mm-hmm. the Spanish crazy because they thought it was total mm-hmm. idolatry and, and that was one of the things that they did everything they could to stamp out and and basically uh, they drove mm-hmm. it underground. And back into the mountains, and, and some of these groups in the mountains of Oaxaca, um, they were kind of unopposed. They could go back there and live their life, and hmm. the Spanish kind of did not, uh, um, you know, hassle them very much, if at all. And so they were able to t- to carry on with a lot of their customs, uh, even though, um, to some degree, Christianity did penetrate, and ultimately. They adopted a lot of the Christian icons, but just utilized those with the mushrooms. So, so you know, one of the mushrooms is even called uh, San Ysidro, Saint Ysidro. So, you know, it's it's like that was kind of a cover. They could say, "Oh yeah, we're, we're, we've adopted Christianity here." In the meantime, uh, at late at night, they'd have their oh, mushroom ceremony.
1: Interesting. So, okay. So we're we're talking about. Would you say it was flesh flesh of the god or something? God's flesh. God's flesh. Okay. So would it be safe to assume that someone out there over history has eaten every mushroom that has grown out of the earth? <laughs> and there's been some pretty unfortunate souls out there, like. They're, they're, <laughs>
2: Well, you know you what? Have
1: to know somehow, right? Well,
2: <laughs> well, you know that that's such an interesting question because it's like, okay, what have people not eaten? <laughs> <laughs> especially when there's a, a you know a famine or they're starving, uh-huh. they they have chewed on probably everything possible to stay mm. alive. And, and and you know when you look at mushrooms out there, I mean, I mean, this is this is absolutely a primal food, you know, mm. especially the big fleshy ones yeah and at some point they they look at some of these ones that are like for example uh psilocybe cubensis which um is common worldwide grows Mm. out of uh cow dung it's the only real real one that does but it grows out of cow dung big big you know meaty mushroom and they go oh hey what the hell is going on here let me try you and this Mm. next thing you know it's like wow And and uh, you wonder why maybe cows in India are sacred. Uh, You wonder why one of the Indian gods named Krishna has purple skin. Mm. (laughs) It's kind of a little bit telling there, considering that these mushrooms stain blue.
1: Mm. Interesting.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of that kind of thing. And when you go back in, you start looking for symbols uh, and looking for mushrooms in ancient art stone carvings uh, a lot of those types of things you you can actually see them all over the place you have mm-hmm. to be looking for them otherwise you do, you just pass them by you don't even notice they they've got they've got mushrooms in stained glass in christian cathedrals
1: so this might be a good segue because now we are kind of getting into the trend of functional mushrooms, right? Functional medicine. Functional, that- yeah, yeah, yeah. Functional yeah. mushrooms. So this would be <laughs> more or less a, a renaissance from the past then, right? Are we rediscovering the value of mushrooms now? Well, you know what? It,
2: in in the West, we are. Uh, because look, in Europe, uh, Eastern Europe, Western Europe, Asia, people have been eating all sorts of mushrooms for thousands of years. They're way ahead of us. Um, There's something that happened to to the English and then to a lot of the people that initially came over to North America. Something mm. happened. They they only ate kind of this one mushroom or, or a few, but they ended up only growing one particular mushroom for food, and that's the agaricus mushroom. You guys are familiar with agaricus, right? It's the button mushroom that's in the supermarkets, mm-hmm. the white, mushroom and sometimes it's brown and called a cremini and and, well that's what we have traditionally cultivated in the west um and whereas in asia right now for example they probably cultivate 15 different species of mushrooms that are in the marketplace all the time And, and and so we're just catching up to that uh with with what we eat and look when, when I first uh, uh, was working on the mushroom farm in 1973, at that time, classical Western nutritionists said mushrooms have no food value. <laughs> why Why did they say that? Well, they said that for, for one reason alone, and that was that mushrooms are low in calories. If you don't have calories for the, for the nutritionist, it was like, why would we eat something? We want to get food you know food that gives us energy and stuff there's got to be but no mushrooms have are very low cal but they're 20 to 40 percent protein they're mostly carbohydrate but really really um um positive carbohydrates like are you familiar at all with mm, No. Manitol. No. Manitol is a very slow acting carb mushrooms do not have starch Okay, what, why do we eat grains and, and uh, potatoes, starch, it's energy, man. That and, and, you know, you eat a potato, and the problem with potatoes and that kind of starch is that it takes you up and then down, and, mm-hmm. whereas a slow-acting carb, a complex carbohydrate, will move through slowly, and that's where the whole idea of the slow food movement and the the whole thing of the glycemic index you guys familiar with the glycemic index right that's how
1: much foods
2: spike your blood sugar well now. right that's right and 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 and, and uh, uh foods with a high glycemic index number are like um potatoes rice foods that, that you're you know a lot of glucose up goes your blood sugar and then you tend to crash down the other side whereas what we're looking for is foods that no they they are slow to digest through the system they they give out their their uh, nutrients in a much different manner than these types of foods that are just like a blast of energy and then they disappear so mushrooms are in that class mushrooms also have, are very high in fiber um so so they will feed your microbiome wonderful uh b vitamins b1 2 and 3 mushrooms have good amounts of b vitamins so so it's a it's a very good food i recommend to people that they get mushrooms into their diet it's just to me it's it's the forgotten food and and the missing dietary link yeah like i say in asia they're eating all sorts of mushrooms, and in a lot of the areas where there uh, there's lots of mushrooms being grown and people are le- eating a lot of mushrooms, and, and a lot of the studies that they've done out in Asia demonstrate straight <clears throat> that people who eat more mushrooms uh, live
1: longer. Hmm. Really? Is, yeah. is there yeah. a yeah. correlation? With so, all right, so maybe it's um, healthier to eat a mushroom, or you're not spiking your... Um, well, well... Blood sugar. It's, uh, you know, you
2: know the, the way I would describe it, Jeff, is is um, mushrooms contain compounds called beta-glucans. Beta-glucans are in the cell wall of the mushroom. 50% of that cell wall is a beta-glucan. It's part of the fiber. And the beta-glucans are what researchers have told us have immunological properties. So think about it as you're eating something that... You know, you know how you'll you'll take a vitamin and you're like, well, I took that vitamin, but I can't feel what it's doing. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you can't. Of course not. Um, you know, it's just like eating eating whatever, and you're going, hey man, I, I ate that, uh, and uh, I, I still feel normal. What's going on, right? Well, mm-hmm. you're you're eating mushrooms. Don't expect it to be like, oh yeah, the next day you're like, wow. <laughs> Mushrooms, no. (laughs) Mushrooms, you you eat them, you supplement with them, they sit in the background immunologically, they Mm -hmm. are strengthening your immune system. And so this is the idea. The idea is that certain foods, you eat certain foods that are really good for you. And in in fact, just think about the idea of food as medicine. Mm -hmm. We want our food to kind of be medicine in the sense that, yeah, they provide us a little bit more than just nutrients. They also mm-hmm. provide us with certain compounds, certain chemicals that have these extra benefits there, whether it's an antioxidant or or whether it's something like these beta-glucans that are going to potentiate your immune system. So when you're in the cold season, uh, flu season, or something like that, no, your immune system is more robust. It's It's easier to fend off those types of illnesses so that's the whole idea behind a eating mushrooms and, and B actually supplementing them I always say eat mushrooms first put them into your diet and, and then then it's like okay if you want to get a little bit more yeah try some supplements use use some mushroom supplements-hmm
1: so what is your signature mushroom dish um, well,
2: you know, for me, I, I, I like to just fry them up and then like, OK, last night, what did I have for dinner last night? I had um, steamed broccoli, steamed Brussels sprouts, uh, a big amount of, of fried mushrooms and mm-hmm. a really nice steak.
1: Oh, that sounds amazing! You know, nice. what? we were going through the lineup there, and I thought we were going to stay full on vegan, and then he dropped the steak in at the end, and he won me over. <laughs> oh no, uh, no, no!
2: I, I I'm, uh, I'm an omnivore. I, I eat most things. I mean, there are things I don't like and things I like, but no, I, I, what I, what I really don't eat a lot of is carbs. I kind of, you know, I'm kind of a little bit paleo that way. I'm like, um, sure. you know, I say that I still love bread. Uh, I I will eat uh, a piece of toast in the morning or I make my own scones. And so I'll have blueberry scones for breakfast. Um, so it's not like I don't eat carbs, but I'm not eating rice with dinner or a potato with dinner. That that Those days are long gone. I don't need that because... You know, if you want to do that, that's fine. If you're younger and you're out and you're burning off all these calories, well, mm. fine. But otherwise, if you don't burn it off, it's like no, it just ends up as as fat somewhere. So, yeah, so,
1: I've <laughs> stopped eating, you know white bread. And I mean, I if I eat a bowl of rice, my butt'll jiggle for a week. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's, yeah, i yeah. anymore. I'm, yeah, I'm on, I'm on the same diet that you are. <laughs> yeah, don't get me
2: wrong. I I love all those things. I like rice. I like potatoes, yeah. but I've just kind of like, you know, I don't need the the starch. I just don't.
1: Bringing it back to the nutritional health benefits, are you getting an uptick in interest during this pandemic or are, are people having, are they talking about mushrooms and health ways for, for right or for wrong?
2: Oh man. <clears throat> when, when this hit back in March, you know, w- w- my company is, is in two parts, two divisions. One is the raw materials that we sell to other companies. They put them out under their brand, their label and everything, and the other is our our retail products. Um, the The um, raw material side has just been growing steadily. Bo- both have been growing steadily. But in March, when the pandemic hit, that we we were out of certain products, within a week, they sold out. we saw these massive spikes. You know, especially in our retail products, where it just they just flew off the shelf and were gone, and we're like, "Oh my god!" It was kind of like Black Friday or something, yeah. you know? It's like I thought we were prepared for this. No, you weren't. You know, nobody was really prepared for that, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, the demand for mushroom products, supplement wise, is through the roof right now. Mm-hmm. And, and look, it's so interesting because when I started Namex in 1989, no company had an actual mushroom supplement, no herbal company or anything. So I spent the first 10 years all through the 90s just educating companies. I go to trade shows. I'm educating these companies companies do do you know anything about mushrooms did you know they're part of uh, traditional chinese medicine these companies have a whole line of green herbs you know whether it be uh, echinacea or ginseng or ginkgo or or you name it they've got a whole line of herbs but no no mushrooms in it so it took a long time to get companies to start buying these products and ultimately the business became successful but uh still you know it it's been a slow going and all of a sudden around 2015 2016 interest all of a sudden really kind of exploded and and a lot due to just uh, i just look at it as as that information as it builds and it builds and you know finally it just kind of hits that escape velocity where all of a sudden it becomes oh wow mushrooms yeah mm-hmm. and more people write about it more people are talking about it you know, you get uh, um ultimately it ends up in something like fantastic fungi gets out there and and mm-hmm. now people see that and, and you know in in that one the the whole um, kind of uh, uh, slow motion of the the mushrooms developing was just so incredible. i I mean that yeah. kind of, that yeah. kind of image is just like, wow, yeah. So, so that was really cool. And and so, so it's just, it was just kind of like right now we are behind in this. So, so we are now at a point where we're starting to roll along a little bit quicker, starting to catch up. It's like you go out on Amazon now and you're like, Oh my God, there's so many mushroom products out there. Where do I even begin?
1: Yeah. That fantastic fungi documentary is amazing that is one of the most you wouldn't think it but it's one of the most visually stimulating things that you can ever watch um you've got to watch that francis i've got a question for you okay so do you have any contention with some of the things they said for instance trees are using fungi to communicate with one another
2: well yeah i do i mean you know what Part of what goes on out there is that people pick up on one or two of these things, and it kind of gets, I think it gets exaggerated at times. Look, trees have a lot of ways to communicate. Have you ever been out in a forest and seen all the roots that you're walking on? I mean, a forest, for God's sakes. I mean, the roots are all together and entangled, and, and plus, they, there's pollen and all the rest that's flying around, and there's odors that are flying around, and they're communicating in so many different ways. I mean, the thing with fungi is that it's, it's just a very natural process where they have a relationship with a tree root, and it's a symbiosis. Mm-hmm. They're each deriving a benefit from this. Are Is the tree communicating uh, with them? I don't know. Uh, um, you know, that's what one researcher has speculated and claims that she's she has um, proven this in some way. Well... Yeah, maybe, maybe not. It's kind of like the same thing as saying, oh, yeah, mycelium. And are you guys familiar with this fungal organism and how it actually works? Because that's really something that you all should know about, which is okay, for example, how do you grow mushrooms? They don't have any seeds. So, so what do you, how do you grow them? Where's my seed? Do you, you, you have to shake the spores out? What does it look like? Well, yeah. So, so, okay. Well, yeah. And look, there's only some mushrooms that will grow out, out of the dung. There are, <laughs> there are coprophilic fungi, which we say, but no, uh, mushrooms produce spores. The spores fly out on the air currents. They land on the ground. They'd land on wood. When conditions are right, those spores will germinate. When and they'll germinate into a very, very fine filament uh, hmm. called the hypha. When multiple hypha come together and fuse, they will form a network. That network is called mycelium. The mycelium is the vegetative body, uh, and, and what that means basically is it. This is the this is the actual. Body of this organism. It's out there. And what it's doing is it's, it's decomposing all of the organic matter that, I mean, think of all the dead organic matter each year. Leaves, branches, plants that grow up, they're annual, they die. All of that organic matter. What happens to it? Where does it go? Well, fungi, bacteria, bugs, you name it, are feeding on it and, and decomposing it. And ultimately, it turns into humus that gets repurposed. Without all those organisms, including including fungi and the and the fungal mycelium, we'd be up to here in organic hmm. matter. <laughs> you know, so that's part of the natural cycle. So we have spore, we have the the mycelium, this vegetative body. When conditions are right, like in the fall, in the Pacific Northwest, or or in the you know, kind of like late fall in California. Mm-hmm. The rains come, uh, and now all of a sudden the temperature goes down a little bit. Rains come, humidity goes up, perfect for a mushroom. Up comes the mushroom. The mushroom comes up. It's the. It may take a week to three weeks for it to fully mature, depending on temperature. It mm-hmm. will. It will uh, mature. Up the cap uh, um, grows. There's gills underneath. The gills produce spores, down come the spores. Now we've completed the life cycle. So, Mm. you know, in herbal terms, we have three plant parts spore, mycelium, and mushroom. The mushroom is where all the real benefits are. Very complex. The mycelium is very simple. Uh, Its job is essentially to amass nutrients through breaking down all this matter. And when it has enough nutrients, it will put up the mushroom also called a fruiting body. So you have vegetative body, fruiting body, you know, and hmm. the mushroom is kind of like the apple off the tree, oh. uh, mycelium. You can think of it almost like a root structure in hmm. a way, and, and it's sort of feeding the nutrients up into this mushroom up. It comes, um, that's what w- has been traditionally used for medicine, for food, so, so you know, one of the one of the memes out there is, "Oh, mycelium is the world's internet." It's like, uh, no, yeah.
1: It's not no. A, Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah, a- no, no. Look, look. A couple things about that which just kind of spoil the whole party is one: um, there is no mycelium one one uh, species of mycelium that has covered the earth and is all connected. Okay. A uh, mushroom species, the mycelium of that species does not fuse with another species. Boom. Mm-hmm. No, it cannot fuse. If it did, then it would be the same species. It would be compatible. That's why there are different species. So, no, it can grow out only so far and then it's going to hit barriers. So, so you can't say, oh, yeah, it's all connected that way. It's not all connected. You know, the 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 idea that it's the internet is only because the mycelium is spreading in all directions. So it's it's like not just moving in a linear way, and then to get back it has to come back that same path. Like mm-hmm. the internet, there's multiple nodes of that that mycelial network there so so you know you can get back to point A through a multitude of different pathways. Mm-hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that out there. At B, A knows what B is doing, or, or B can send nutrients back to A. That, that's too far to go. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> no, that mycelium is out there, and it is breaking down and feeding and, and basically giving itself enough food to, to spread, and then ultimately put up a mushroom.
1: So the point of the actual mushroom developing is to spread its spores, right, and, and create more. Well, well,
2: I mean, yeah, you can look at it that way. You can look at you can say uh, the same thing about us, right? Well, the point of us is to have you know what uh, cons- <laughs> you sure. know, is, is it really? I mean, you look, that's to me, it's just a life cycle, right? and And we have to be careful about about sort of making uh-huh. certain, you know, because we we tend to anthropomorphize, morphize everything out there and give everything a a purpose. Yeah, and, and you know we have to be very careful about assigning purposes to things. It's like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. why wh- why does that um, uh, berry bush have those uh, berries, those sweet berries? Oh well, so so a bird will come along and it'll eat them. That's okay, but to why to does that why does that other plant have these red berries? But they're sour and nobody likes them. Oh well, that's because nobody will eat the berry and it'll fall down to the ground and do its <laughs> thing. <laughs> you you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like. Well,
1: wait a second. (laughs) But there has to be an underlying reason for that to have evolved that one, right? Like, why are some mushrooms insanely toxic? Well, why are some of them edible? I mean, no,
2: (laughs) there's no reason for that. It just Uh just sort of, you know, why does it happen? I don't think anybody can necessarily explain why some mushrooms produce certain compounds. Like, why do they produce these uh, psilocybin compounds? I don't hmm. know. I mean, there's there's dozens of species that will do that, not just the Psilocybes, but there's a few other genera that will do that. Hmm. But but you know, and, and yes, why do some of them produce these toxic compounds? You know, um, you know, people like to think, oh yeah, mushrooms, you got to be careful because it'll kill you. Hey, there's a lot of plants that are going to kill you too. Eat the wrong fruit and you could die, right? It's like, it's not just mushrooms. Oh. Don't give my mushrooms a bad name. Come on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's interesting because um, just bringing back the perception, like that's got to be a massive issue where you've, you've spent a lot of the time talking about all the nutrients that can come out of the mushroom and how it in, 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 improves your immune system, especially at a time like right now. But for years, I mean I know I grew up with that 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 thinking of like you know there are poisonous mushrooms in the woods don't touch them you shouldn't eat them and um you know you only have the certain mushrooms in the grocery store so how hard is it to kind of change that perception you know this is me trying to bring it back to marketing but how hard is it to change that perception with an audience where you have the the scientific backing to kind of say this is a superfood this is a food that's going to help you it's going to it's going to have long lasting effects um and yet you still have a lot of people resisting it.
2: Well, you know, I mean, talking marketing, I mean, absolutely. It's a matter of getting the message out in all different types of venues. And and I would say today after, let's see, 1973, so we're talking close to, you know, 40 to 50 years since I started growing mushrooms commercially there. And, and it just shows you, how long it takes to actually get a message out there to people and how long it takes for that message to reach some kind of tipping point. Uh, So, so there's, you know, and there's lots of different ways to do that. I mean, just for example, for me, what I did was the first thing I did was I I went out to trade shows. Uh, The first trade show I went to, I just walked the floor and I had a mushroom in my hand. There's a reishi mushroom. Ever seen a reishi mushroom?
1: I'm going to right now.
2: (laughs) A reishi mushroom is a beautiful thing. It is red. It's got a cap that's kind of like a ram's horn, beautiful spiral shape. Uh, It's just a thing of beauty, especially ones that have grown in a certain way. I'm walking the floor of of this show talking to different companies that have herbal products and saying, hey, you ever heard of reishi mushroom? No. Oh, Here. Take a look. And they look at it and go, what is this? Is this a piece of wood?
1: <laughs> well,
2: <laughs> well, no, it's, it's a dried mushroom <laughs> that's uh, very hard and woody. You're not going to eat it. Yeah. Um, but it's been used for thousands of years in traditional Chinese medicine. You drink it as a tea or take it as an extract. and and so And then the next year, I had my own booth. So instead of me walking around trying to sell to people who are selling, now I'm there with my own booth and people are going by and again what I have is I have you know this is back in the old days everybody raft of paper you know with all sorts of information here take this and let me talk to you about that and here's take a look at these mushrooms that I've got here and and again educate try to educate and try to make people understand why in in my case why they should, actually purchase um these mushrooms for their product line or -hmm. or or in this case this was the natural foods expo in los angeles in this case it was there were a lot of store owners there that were not really interested in buying raw materials but that was fine because i'm educating them about mushrooms so maybe they will talk to the companies that they buy from and say hey you guys have any mushroom products no well why not I, i just heard all about how great they were (laughs) <laughs> so, so you know, and, and that's just kind of like right there. Trade shows, I, I love trade shows. Have you ever been to trade shows? Yeah. They're a lot of fun. Uh, if you have a booth, you meet a lot of really interesting people. Uh, and, and it's just a great social time. And that's a way to get the message out back at a point where, again, we didn't, wouldn't have all of the the different manners of media and internet and all of that that we have
0: now. Uh-huh. Well, it's also, I mean, it's fascinating in the sense that in the, in when you describe what the mushroom does to the body, how like you had mentioned about carbs, how it's an immediate up and then a crash and the mushrooms kind of like stay within the body and it takes time. In many ways, it's a nice metaphor for how this has kind of come to place because, you know, you had all this information years ago, but it's almost as if society had to catch up and the mushrooms were always there in the background. And suddenly, um, there are more people interested in health. There are a lot more people interested in, you know, even Eastern medicine about how, what, what happens, you know? I mean, you got, we, you talked about shiitake mushrooms in the beginning and um, I grew up with that, you know, my, my family went to Chinatown, they would buy these dried out mushrooms and we'd have it in everything. Everyone would always ask, you know, what is that in your, in your, you know, um, in your, in your pantry? And I'd explain it's mushrooms. They wouldn't. They wouldn't believe me. Um,
1: today, <laughs> know, a dried
2: mushroom. It's like you're looking at like, what the hell is this thing?
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, while I, this isn't scientific proof, but like you know, the the saying of Asians don't raisin don't raisin is is somewhat true. Like you see all these older Asian people, and yet their skin is not as wrinkly. And I always assumed that was the shiitake mushroom.
2: Oh, that's um, great! I love it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Well, come on, man. I mean, check it
0: out. <laughs> oh, but it's, 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 it's really interesting how, I mean, just, I never even considered how many different types of mushrooms they were. And I already knew they were different types, but just thinking about that and then the nutrition value along with that. Um, and yet still, I I also feel like for whatever reason, there aren't a lot enough people talking about mushrooms and and I don't know why that is. You know, you, you always hear about these other new diet fads or the cleanse or, you know, the kale. Kale made a massive <laughs> thing. I mean, everything was made out of kale.
1: Yeah, way too long in the spotlight. I'm down here. I'm... <laughs> Let's bring back steak. Why can't we talk about steak?
0: <laughs> we could, yeah. You know, it was a mistake to have this before dinner because I'm starving. Thinking about... The second, Jeff, you mentioned fried mushrooms. I was like, I want fried mushrooms right now.
2: Yeah. Like, and and I- by the way, while we're talking about fried, let me just give you a quick tip because it's really important. A lot of people, I don't know, you, you've heard it before, but especially if it's a, a child or something, mushrooms, oh my God, they're so slimy and oh, terrible, right? No, look. K- Uh, Cook your mushrooms in a hot pan. Put whatever oil you use in there. I just put butter in there. Make sure that's hot. Uh, If it's too cold uh, and it's not hot enough, what happens is all the water comes right out of the mushrooms, and now it's sitting in a pool of water. And unless you're making gravy, um, it's not going to taste good. It's going to be slimy. It's going to be like ah, rubbery. No, you want to cook it in a hot pan. I like to brown up both sides. Don't don't cut it too thin, maybe a quarter of an inch. Brown up both sides. Cook it a little bit longer than you might presuppose. Mushrooms generally, when you're frying them, they will shrink. They'll end up half the size that they are when they went into the pan. So be sure you do that and cook them properly. Otherwise, no, you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be going like, oh, my God, No.
0: You no, know, no, that's important, very important. So, drown it in butter and cook it hot. Now I'm <laughs> yeah. super
2: hungry. Now. I'll,
1: I'll even eat bread.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, like a lot. Some people say, yeah, just uh, whatever it is, put it in butter and it'll be just fine. All
1: right, <laughs> just try it. <laughs> All right, this is a horrible segue, but I have to go here. Uh, Jeff, tell us, tell us about parasitic fungi, mushrooms.
2: Oh, so so. Uh, which are you talking? You're talking about like cordyceps or something?
1: Uh, well, the one that I saw in the documentary was the one that gets inside the ants. Oh they-
2: yeah, yeah. And they they call it sort of the zombie and turns yeah. into a zombie or something. Look, two things. First of all, the the there was a you know somebody back somewhere where they first filmed that and they showed the ant crawling up the top and you know it stopped and then out of come and they said oh yeah that that fungus is controlling the brain of that ant mm. not true okay yeah. no not true no what it was doing though is that it, it basically had had taken over the ant to up to a certain point and now it's just the the it's uh, a nervous system still functioning and it just kept going straight until it stopped and then then great okay so it stopped it's dead and then ultimately this cordyceps grows out of it it, it wasn't really a zombie, you know. It's kind of like something's dead. You cut off the head of a chicken, and it runs around for a while.
1: Oh, uh, Okay, so you know, they're, uh, like, and, and, like uh, <laughs> this, they're making it look like this. This fungus will get into a creature, and it has its own mastermind plan. Yeah, yeah. It's system and making it do specific things that will help it propagate. Uh, yeah. I,
2: that was true and you just ruined it no 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 the zombie you know turns you into a zombie kind of thing
1: oh yeah i want that
2: i want to give it to uh, so-and-so right turn them into a zombie no that that's that's another one of those you know sort of myths that is out there and and it's been disproven by scientists who actually looked into it in a deep way and figured it out but but you know look there are parasitic fungi out there uh and cordyceps is a genus that parasitizes insects um, Mm. and there's other parasites that will attack a tree and ultimately chaga chaga is a parasitic fungus it attacks the tree and it will ultimately kill the tree um, and it will produce these cankers that come off the side you ever seen a chaga Mm -hmm.
1: Um, chaga is
2: just this gnarly looking thing you know black outer skin and and it's all irregular and and it's, it's another what we call a medicinal mushroom. It's not a true mushroom, but it's produced by this particular species of fungus that attacks a tree, Ooh. normally birch trees. And it takes it takes about, you know, look, it takes about uh, 80 years or 100 years to kill this tree. I've got them on my property here, other types of, of what we could call a mushroom that, are inside these trees. I have some trees here that ultimately uh, halfway up and they're big trees. All of a sudden it'll just snap and fall. And you look at it and the tree's kind of like been a standing dead. And and it's just, but it is, that whole trunk has been completely consumed by the mycelium to the <laughs> point where it's finally at, at some point that just sort of like, can't do it any longer. And it just cracks and falls. And then you look at the, the actual what's left, and you've got these different fungi growing all over it. And you go, yeah, that, that tree didn't make it. But that's just a natural part of the, the cycle that we have here yeah. uh, in terms of, you know, the fungi live in conjunction with all these trees and in the forest that they're just part of it.
1: I was just looking up that. It's called Chaga? Chaga mushroom? Chaga. That is a gnarly looking guy.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. And it's not a, tr- not a true mushroom. But it is—it's actually what's called a canker. But you know, when we talk about these things, we can tell you a chaga mushroom, right? We don't, you know—wouldn't it, it wouldn't sound so great? He said, "Oh yeah, I've got some canker tea here. Do you want some?" It's like, What? Bad <laughs> <Not> marketing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now that is not a good marketing term. Oh, is that-
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's a marketing problem. The mushrooms have had a marketing problem for eons. Yeah,
1: They're- they have. Yeah. They have. <laughs> It seems like. like, and they don't know how to name them.
2: <laughs> well, I think maybe in that uh, that movie, they talked about mycophobia and mycophilia. Mm. And, and mycophobia is just fear of mushrooms. And for some reason, we've had this real fear of mushrooms. And look, there are probably a few dozen people in the US that die every year from mushroom poisoning. Mm. Interestingly enough, the majority of those people are immigrants. And, mm. and they come over here, they're living, and then they go out in the woods and they go, Oh, my God, look at those mushrooms. We used to eat those back in the old country. Mm. Well, well, wait a second. Okay, but wasn't it grandpa that was the one that harvested them and knew what the hell he was doing? Uh. And he's no longer with you. And you think it looks just like what grandpa used to be harvesting? So you pick it. They take it home. They slice it up. They throw it in. They eat a ton of these things, mm. way more than they should. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's like it, it might be a, a good edible mushroom. I mean some poisonous mushrooms are very tasty. <laughs> That's not <laughs> so, sound right. <laughs> I know. So 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 then then you know and, and some of the most toxic of these mushrooms, it takes eight hours before symptoms arrive. Mm. At that point, you're either in the arena of a liver transplant or you're beyond that and you're just on mm. the way out of town.
1: Maybe that is an element to this uh, reason why people don't eat mushrooms as much. They don't know how to cook it, for one, obviously. More butter, like you said. <laughs> Higher heat, more butter. And two, some people were probably just scared of it because I still read these report once a year, maybe twice a year. I'll read a report in the Press Democrat up in, uh, in the North Bay. It says, says uh, two two people die of eating wild mushrooms again. And I'm like, what do you people do? – how does this keep happening? <laughs> And yeah, I'm sure people read that and they go, Oh, I better stay away from all the mushrooms, right? What yeah, like
2: yeah. Well well, you know, the other thing too is is sometimes, you know, that uh a mushroom, a wild mushroom, is not poisonous, but it may give you digestive upset. I mean, there's 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 so many species out there that, you know, and, and remember too, this is the one thing to remember too. Every species is going to have a different nutritional profile. So shiitake nutritionally is not the same as An enoki or an agaricus or an oyster mushroom? No, different nutritional profiles. The agaricus, agaricus has got thirty-five percent protein. Shiitake, twenty percent protein. So you know, very different in terms of that B vitamins. Yes, they all have B vitamins. A good amount of potassium and, and phosphorus, but no, all kind of different. And again. You know, it's like plants that we eat. Okay, we've only got here maybe twelve to fifteen species in the marketplaces of Asia that they grow and and put into the markets. Over here, we have now maybe you know five or six. If you're if you're in a, a metropolis like whether New York or San Francisco or Seattle, Portland, you can get all of these different species there: oyster hmm. mushroom, maitake lion's mane uh, an oyster mushrooms you can get a lot of different species and and which is wonderful we've finally gotten to the point where we have choices for the different mushroom species
0: Emma, mm-hmm. also i mean just going back to that that actually might be part of it too because when there are so many choices you know it, it turns into this like well i don't know which one or which which mushroom is it for me and th- this is going to be a very basic kind of like idea, but you know, in many ways, when, when there's a company that has a product or a service and there's a lot, you don't go talking about the product first, you actually flip it and say, well, what do you want? Like where, where is it that, you know, you want your computer to run faster, you want it to be purple and it's got to play music all the time. So it's this one. Um, and I wonder if that's the thing with mushrooms where you basically have to ask someone, well, you want, you want to live longer. You want your immune system to look like this. And you also want it to taste good and not be poisonous. So it's these five <laughs> mushrooms here. That, <laughs> as opposed to like so many because I, I feel like that's also part of it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of choice. And, and when you take into account like taste too, I mean, just uh, people's, you know, idea of what, what a good mushroom should taste like and so on. Cause when you get into that area, they all taste differently. Um, yeah,
2: that's absolutely right. Yeah. And, and well, it, you know, it, again, it's, 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 people trying a new food and this is where with shiitake you know and and look dried shiitake are great but but still somebody's going to have to take it home they're going to have to soak it a little bit not over soak it to where it's just waterlogged (laughs) um and and whereas the fresh mushroom they can take home they can prepare it they can taste it see if they like it that's the other thing by the way if you're ever out wild mushroom hunting with anybody and they find some mushrooms and they take it back, and they're going to cook it up, and you're going to try it. <clears throat> Do not eat a lot. <laughs> okay, just eat yeah. enough. Just eat enough to to get the flavor, and go. Okay, this is kind of kind of good, and yeah, I kind of like it. And then see whether you uh, are, um, are all good, because sometimes what happens is that there five percent of everybody is is uh, allergic to something. Mm-hmm. I, I used to to mushroom hunt with a, the father of a friend of mine, and he loved mushrooms. He was out there and Every every uh, fall, but there was uh, one mushroom, high quality edible mushroom called a morel. He was allergic to morels. (laughs) He just was allergic to morels, and it's just like
0: this amazing edible mushroom. But so if um, I mean, just because I'm really now, I I am truly hungry, so I have to (laughs) end this soon. Um, Jeff, if someone. The profile is someone who they, they've only gone to the grocery store. They know about, you know, the quote unquote regular mushroom. And maybe they're aware of a portobello. Um, and they're hearing this right now and they're thinking, you know what? I want to take a step. I want to take a step into this mushroom world. What would you suggest for them if they're, if they're open to it? So let's just take taste out of it. They're just open to any type of mushroom. They're just looking for something different and and very interested in like the health benefits, the nutrients of it what would you suggest as kind of like a starter pack for someone who wants to suddenly take a step toward this world of mushrooms? What, what would you suggest they they jump into? Well, I always recommend fresh shiitake. I, I mean – I can only get the dried stuff. Where um, do you get
2: Oh, man. Are you kidding me? I, I, there's got to be markets. There's got to be a mar- a whole food market or something in your area where you can That's get sure. fresh shiitake. My yeah. God, the shiitake mushroom has got to – heavenly flavor i mean you know in in china it's called shanggu fragrant mm. mushroom it's like ah wonderful fresh shiitake is is number one that i would recommend to people oyster mushrooms are usually in the market they're they're kind of mild but they're fun to work with uh so that's another one that they could uh could purchase and try and and there, there's some others where you buy these little well have you ever have you ever eaten uh, um Enoki toki Francis? No, I haven't. Uh, have you ever seen these uh, um, sort of like vacuum packed packages and you look in and there's like a thousand mushrooms in there with yeah. really long stems and tiny little caps?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, well, those the,
2: are Enoki mushrooms. They're delicious. You open it up, you take them, you, you pull them all apart, and you end up with a thousand of these things in, in a pan, fry them up. They're like this really crunchy, delicious noodle. Mm. really really good and Taki, highly recommend that as well the shiitake the beauty the shiitake is that not only is it good taste and great flavor but it also has very powerful medicinal benefits so it's a it's a two for there you know yeah. it's your food as medicine mm.
0: you
1: killing yeah. you're um,
0: <laughs> my favorite thing with shiitake is putting it in ramen so i soak it uh-huh. And um, let it kind of like take on the, the soup, the soup base. And yeah, then I
2: yeah, eat. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she, I mean, you know, look, mushrooms are so ver- uh, versatile. You can put them in just about anything. An okie talkie a lot of times it's, it's uh, um, put into soup. Uh, I like them fried up because again, I just like that real crunchy texture. And again, you can just, you can just put them with anything. So th- that's
0: the beauty of it. They're just ultra versatile food. um we want to make sure you have um, time is if someone is interested in purchasing mushrooms from you, where should they go? Can they purchase mushrooms from you? Well, first
2: of all, if, if people would like more information and I really encourage that come to our website, which is namex.com N A M M E X. We have an educational area there with lots of interest. I've got slideshows there about how we grow our mushrooms. If you want our mushroom supplement products, go to, realmushrooms.com and that's where you can buy our supplement, mushroom supplements. You can buy them in either stand-up pouches and powders or you can, they're in capsules as well. And uh, realmushrooms.com also has a lot of great information there. So come read about it, listen to it, spread the word about mushrooms. And eat it. Will do.
1: And, and in closing, your favorite mushroom is
2: Oh shiitake, absolutely, Shitake, yeah, yeah.
1: To look at, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: And, and and you know here's another thing too is is one you know, the mushroom that you're buying in the stores it should be, you know, like the agaricus should be nice and firm. It shouldn't be brown spots or getting wet or slimy or anything like that. Sometimes too the shiitake you turn it over you look at the white gills and there's spotted brown. Mm-hmm. Leave those behind too. That shouldn't be there. That's bacteria. So. Yeah. You know, a lot of times stores don't know how to handle mushrooms properly, so make sure you're getting a good quality mushroom there, and um, that's just kind of another final tip here because it's just like I've seen so many bad mushrooms on the shelf where I'm just like, will you come over here, please? Will you please just put these in the dumpster? (laughs) (laughs) Do not sell these. You're giving mushrooms a bad name. (laughs) Probably.
0: Oh man! Well, Jeff, thank you so much, man. This was this was so interesting. And honestly, I might want to have you back because I'm thinking I'm gonna have more questions about mushrooms. And maybe we should have a cooking episode where we just eat because it's 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 impossible to talk about this and not get hungry. But um,
2: that's right. We'll have to do it after dinner,
0: right? (laughs) Yeah, like that. But um, thank you again so much. Uh, yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, Francis, Jeff. It's been been great talking to you both. So thanks a lot.